Welcome into Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for a lack of insight and for baseless opinions. Today is August 15th, 2023, my child's 16th birthday, and this is episode 372. My name is Jake English. And I'm Scott Magnus. And on this week's show, we'll come out of our indefinite suspension. And uh, we'll also bring back our favorite late night hashtag. And we'll do all of that right after we lubricate the show. No relation. That's right. It's time. For the drink of the week. Scott Magnus, what is your drink of the week? Uh, I've got vodka and tonic with some lime juice concentrate in this class. Just made, a squirt. Made up by Mr. English himself. Um, very much appreciated. How about yourself? This past week, as you well know, I was out of the country. Uh, I was in Aruba. Had a great time. Sampled a lot of the local beverages. I'm pretty sure the island is out of rum. But helped myself to quite a bit of Balashi and particularly Chill, which is their... Lighter beer, still made by Balashi. But pretty good when you're uh, when you're on an island and you need something wet, it will do. So you're feeling refreshed, you're feeling rehabilitated, you're, you're in good shape going forward. I'm not even that sunburned. That's good. That's great. Um, well, since you're not sunburned, and it doesn't sound like you have any other injuries, let's go ahead into the medical wing and see who's injured and who's recovering. Time for your checkup, time for your checkup. I'm gonna check your ears, check your eyes, Jake, he's back. He's not back. I mean, it's not technically back, but he's kind of back. John Means is making rehab starts. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's good that it's happening. Right. Let's not Baltimoreans jinx this and basically get too excited about it. I mean, but again, it's good to see, you know, John Means coming out, doing some rehab starts, um, pitched for, I think, a little over two innings uh, in his first rehab start, pitched again today. You know, not so great results, but again, up to 44 pitches. That's encouraging, um, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think we've said before, um, anything you get out of John Means this year was going to be a bonus. Um, and I'm not saying, you know, it's going to yield great results. But yeah, I mean, it's looking like we may see John Means potentially in the next week or two, maybe. I mean, two at the earliest i would think think. i would think he look i'm delighted that he's not hurt yeah but he wasn't sharp yeah and i don't know that he's ready to face major league hitters and uh the orioles desperately need him but they need him at his best he can be yeah uh, i I agree with that but yeah i mean it's great that we're 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 seeing him return on that basis oh yeah i don't want to i don't want to poo-poo it i'm excited i just i think i'm stealing my heart away for what might be a disappointment oh that that makes perfect sense um you know, another individual that I think at the very beginning of the season we wouldn't have in essence been like, oh, that's a concern, is Danny Colom going on the IL with bicep tendonitis. Uh, he went on the 15-day IL as of August 10th. 
Um, corresponding move really was to bring up Nick Vespi again, lefty for lefty. Um, how concerned are you about Cologne going down at this moment? Um, and you know, how much of a tax that puts on the bullpen? I'll feel a lot better when he's back. I have complicated emotions about the bullpen. I think maybe we'll talk about this a little bit later, but I think that Danny Cologne has, has become one of my, you know, trusted arms outside of Felix Bautista. So yeah. I, I will feel better when he's back. Yeah. Uh, Scotty, I want to talk about somebody who allegedly has legs and knows how to use them. And that, of course, is Aaron Hicks. That's not what the Yankees fans tell me. <laughs> uh, is he hurt? Yes. He got pulled out of uh, the, fort- the the game on the 14th. Oh, did he? He's, I didn't see this. He's not in the lineup. Yeah, he made his return, got two hits. Uh, the the mass and cameras caught him a little awkwardly rounding first or okay. pulling up uh, at, on and out at second base. He was pulled from the game in favor of Austin Hayes. And, you know, he's not in the lineup uh, here on the 15th. I'm curious if this is a day-to-day deal or something more nefarious or if we're just all used to people being hurt and it's no big deal. I think it's partially no big deal because again, you've got Cedric Mullins back. Um, but it does raise a question again, if you're, you know, carrying your outfield rotation right now, um, you did it, you know, option Kowser into mm-hmm. the minors again, because again, you had, you had Hicks come up. Um, if Hicks is, in essence, still dealing with something and getting through it, just like we saw with Cedric Mullins, you know, maybe it's an opportunity to say, Hey, we're going to go ahead and put you back on the IL for 10 days. Mm-hmm. Let you stretch it out, get some additional plate appearances, and then bring back up Kowser. I mean, if, if Hicks goes back on the IL, there's nothing to prevent Kowser from coming right back up again. And it can be post-dated. You know, it doesn't exactly. have to be the full time. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I think this is something to keep an eye on. Um, you know, we have seen, you know, folks like Mullins, you know, kind of bounce back and forth. So, I wouldn't be shocked um, if we see a, a an IL visit again for Hicks on that basis. Um, and then Kowser miraculously returns. Can we talk for a second about two players I don't want to see again? Sure. Austin Voth and Keegan Aiken are now both in AAA making rehab assignments. Voth is on the 60-day IL, so there would have to be all sorts of roster maneuvering uh, to bring him back. Yep. Keegan Aiken is on the 15-day IL, and and again, they're both rehabbing. Yep. No, no, thank you. No, thanks. So I, I think the big deal is, you know, with Keegan Aiken, Keegan Aiken is currently in the 40-man roster because he's only in the 15-day IL. Voth is on the 60-day, so he's not actually on the 40-man roster. Um, and, and it comes back to the question, which is when John means is available, someone is going to have to get, you know, displaced from the 40 man roster. And it seems to me like if you look at Keegan Aiken, Keegan Aiken just doesn't have a, a role to fit going forward, um, in this organization and with the structure that they're having. So there's no way that he doesn't get through waivers, right? I, I don't even I, think you lose him. I, I, I agree. So, I mean, I just don't see the need of why you need to have a Keegan Aiken on your 40-man roster right now. I think you just, when John Means is ready, um, it, and I think that's the question, I think Keegan Aiken gets passed through waivers. All righty. And, and that's basically it for the medical wing this week. I mean, knock on wood. I mean, to be fair, we did lose one individual off the medical wing. Michael Givens is no longer with the organization. I know you're deeply disappointed by this. I mean, it would have been nice to have him, I think. I would have been nice to have a productive and healthy, effective Michael Givens, but eh. I am truly going to miss uh, Mr. Untouchable. Lifetime Oriole. Lifetime Oriole. Well, with that, uh, let's go to 280 characters or less this week on the X. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> I'm going to start with a tweet from uh, Adam Jones at Simply AJ10. 
If you're a teacher and need supplies, please tweet or, excuse me, sorry, X the link so I can re-exit. Sucks y'all have to do this because the schools don't supply the supplies, but hopefully I can help by re-Xing it to see who can donate. I appreciate you teachers. Hey, Adam Jones, thanks for being a good dude. Thank you. Good to see Adam kind of participating again, once again, in the Baltimore community. I mean, I know he's always kind of, you know, had that standpoint for for Baltimore, um, but it seems like things have changed this year. He does feel back. He, he does feel back. He does feel back. Uh, next week comes from um, Barstool um, RDT um, or Eric RDT. You can follow him at DDT22. Uh, um, it's August 15th. The Orioles have 74 wins. Most sports books had their win total around 76 and a half to 77 and a half. They should be there by the end of that week of this week. What a team. So Jake, I know we like to make fun of sports betting. Yes. But there's gonna be a lot of happy people in Baltimore. I think at the end of this week. Oh yeah. I know a lot of people who bet for the Orioles on the over. I know a lot of people. Did you put any money down? No, no. So I did put money down on this aspect because I was just like, I think they're going to be an 81 one team. I certainly didn't think they were going to be as good as this, but I've got, you know, a few beer cases to basically get <laughs> from this bet, which I think is, you know, great. Like yeah. it's so again, you know, I, I think it's awesome. I think it's going to be really fun when in essence you start seeing, you know, some of the, you know, wagers come in and people in essence are cashing in their tickets. Um, but yeah, like I said, it's, it's great to celebrate good baseball. I think the more interesting one is, uh, is it fan graphs that still has the Orioles at 95 wins and they would basically have to go 500 from the rest of the season yeah, in order yeah. to get to that. But they've been saying this the whole year. I mean, it's the standpoint of like, I pointed this out, like fan since the very beginning of the season, they're like, well, they'll probably go 495 or 500. So again, it, it's looking at, you know, the talent on the team and it's looking at the run differential standpoint and saying, based off the talent on the team, we don't expect the team to continue this pace um, and they're going to regress. It's just, we haven't seen a regression this entire season. And really, if you look at last year, you haven't seen the regression either. So there's something that is not being caught in the fan graphs calculation, as it were, um, specifically as it relates to war, um, win probability added from the bullpen standpoint. Um, so yeah, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, I'm not going to beat on fan graphs. It's a model. And models are always going to be, you know, off by, you know, six to seven wins. It just seems like the Van Graaff's model is probably going to be off by potentially 15 wins uh, for the Baltimore Orioles compared to the beginning of the year. Well, I, I do expect that the Orioles will regress. I do. I think it, however, will simply be in December and the Orioles will simply be tired from all of that parading around town. Uh, our next tweet comes to us from Locked On Orioles at Locked on Orioles. Make sure you listen to that podcast. Connor does a great job. Hilarious at this point, he says, with a screen grab of a picture from the Masson broadcast. Face the ace. And this, of course, refers to Grayson Rodriguez facing amazing number one pitchers for the rest of the season. Jacob deGrom, Dylan Cease, Eduardo Rodriguez, Shoyo Tani, Shane McClanahan, Garrett Cole, uh, you Darvish, the list goes on and on. Yeah. And you know what? Doing okay. Yeah. Uh, like Framber Valdez was another one. Yeah. Utah Street Report has also been reposting this too. So Derek Arnold has been putting this out there every single time Grayson Rodriguez goes against someone. And it just seems like um, every single time Grayson Rodriguez pitches, 
he's going against a proverbial ace, is the best way to put it. No, no. They're going up uh, against a proverbial ace. I like that. Our last tweet, I just want to lavish some praise on the Orioles socials team. You know, we have been doing this all season, saying that they they really are, they get it. They're doing it well. But you know what? It's not just the memes and the Gen Z references. The other night, after a 4-1 victory over the San Diego Padres, the Orioles tweeted out, one for all and all for one. That's that's what you like. That's good. That's good. Yeah. That, that's a little. That's a little late night Dumas tweet, yeah. which you know you can't have it any better. Yeah. All right. Well, with that, um, you know, I think it's time for us to you know uh, celebrate West Coast baseball. The only way we know how to celebrate West Coast baseball, and that's with a little dongs after dark. <laughs> Scott, is it that time? It's that time. It's late. Oh, it's late. The house is empty. It's just me and the ball club. And I occasionally will fall into the dark temptations that is Dongs After Dark. At this point, listeners, you know Dongs After Dark. Dongs After Dark refers to those home runs that fly in the air long after the sun has gone down on the East Coast. That's right. West Coast baseball, when the Orioles hit home runs, they don't just hit home runs. No. They hit dongs after dark. At one point, it made us wonder, though, what would a film called Dongs After Dark be like? What would a synopsis of such a film be like? And, of course, we had to answer that question. So now we humbly add to the collection the Dongs After Dark series. With these following films. This Assen production is about a man with a gold glove, yet no love. He's a man who can't get into any position, despite carrying the load for a team that wasn't performing where it counted in the past several seasons. Now that fresh meat has been served... The young bucks are pushing this once and future stud to his breaking point. Ramon Urea stars in Dongs After Dark. Sometimes you need to pick up the downtrodden when there's no place left for them. Sometimes you need to just carry them on your back. Sometimes you just need to reach down and give them a warm, thick hug. Ali Rutschman, starring in Dogs After Dark. He had a reputation for being fast and for being powerful. But what got them the most excited was his sheer size. Bearing down and pumping it in, this hurler gives Orioles fans the relief they so desperately need. Come along for the ride up and down the mountain and hope that you're saved isn't blown. Felix Bautista stars in Dongs After Dark. Going international is what this individual is all about. 
He's crossed the channel many a times in the past. Boil him, mash him, stick him in a stew. Tony Taters stars in Dongs After Dark. Ryan O'Hearn finds himself in the center of new and exciting passions as he finally dominates on the field. As the chemistry between him and his team reaches a fever pitch, he finds himself on the receiving end of Homer Hose after Homer Hose. Join Ryan O'Hearn in a tantalizing journey that explores the magic of so much more than Orioles baseball as he stars in Dawns After Dark. Sometimes you just need a man with an experience. And this Dilf is the meatiest of meats. He's not just a meat manager, he's my meaty manager. Brandon Hyde stars in Dongs After Dark. What more can be said? The uh, the films are interesting. They're entertaining. They get the they get the job done. Yeah. They, they serve a purpose. We're not proud of this. No, we, but not at all. This is important. We're, ser- we're certainly searching for this in incognito mode. <laughs> Enjoy the late night baseball, everybody, and uh, let us know what your Dongs After Dark sounds like. Let's go around the bases really quickly and uh, get a feel for what's going on in Orioles baseball. Look, I know that I'm late. Having returned to the country somewhat recently, I know that I'm, I've am i missed the mark here, but we can't record this podcast without at least touching on the Kevin Brown versus John Angelo's situation. Mm. And now it's, it's over. It's over. Right? It's done. Kevin Brown is back on the air. And I don't want to rehash everything that's happened. Yeah. But I do want to say this because I'm not I'm not sure that I've heard this in all the coverage and all all the discussion about it. It is so very sad to me that the ownership group, John Angelos, did this and that nobody in their right mind thought to themselves, well, you know what? I mean, maybe there was more than this, right? Maybe maybe there were a couple of incidents and Kevin Brown and, and the organization had had been locking horns and this was just the thing that set him over the top. Or, you know, maybe there's more that we're not hearing. No. Everybody heard this story and went, oh yeah. That makes sense. That checks out. That vibes. Yeah. Yeah. The Angelos family, father and son, same, small, spineless, thin skin. It's really disappointing to me that the identity of our ball club is that it is so obvious how pathetic the ownership is. Yep. That's that that to me jumped out about all this story. Like, is Kevin Brown great? Yes. Was it completely ridiculous that this happened? Yes. But the thing that is truly upsetting is that it is not surprising. That it is not beyond our ability to to say, well, you know, no. This yep. happened, it happened this way. And I got to say it was really great to see the reaction from the rest of baseball yep. to say this is beyond the pale. You have officially stepped beyond the pale. Yeah, I mean, uh, absolutely completely agree on that on that basis. And again, there's a lot of folks that came out against it. Um, 
once it hit CNN, I was just like, okay. Um, and then once Michael K uh, started making points that I had to agree with, I'm like, <laughs> this is really dark ages stuff here. Um, it's a twilight zone. But again, I mean, you, I agree with you. You know, I actually had several conversations, and we had you know conversations with folks that are fans of the podcast specifically on this topic, where they're like, "There's got to be more. There's got to be more." But I'll tell you what really sealed it for me uh, in terms of knowing that there wasn't anything more um, was when Britt Chiroli put out her report indicating that um, individuals um, had gotten in trouble for not wearing team gear on the broadcast. Um, and they were told that they have to wear team gear and they needed to buy their own team gear. I'm just like, that sounds like such an Orioles thing um, that, again, it was like one plus one equals two. And it's just like, well, you know, even if the Kevin situation isn't quite there, there's enough here to basically say we've got, you know, again, ownership with John Angelos uh, inserting their their they're inserting themselves into the situation. Um, and, and let's be candid. I mean, let's, let's not even go into the whole Kevin Brown situation. Let's talk Camden crossing. Camden crossing is um, again, something that came out through the Baltimore banner. Uh, there was a survey that went out to individuals asking questions like, well, what would you like to see around the Camden yards area? Um, and just trying to get it. And then the information comes out where, you know, John Angelos has been kind of stalling the lease negotiation because he doesn't just want additional money on top of the six hundred million dollars. He also but wants, he does right. <laughs> he also wants public land to be gifted to him so that he can, in essence, develop it out as a further long term venture for for the business. I thought it was masterful mm-hmm. that those de- that those details became available when public sentiment was so harshly against yep. John Angelos. We found out that he wants the $300 million, that he wants the land deal, that he wants the sweetheart deal beyond the $600 million and the fact that the Orioles have to have a place to play baseball. All of those details came out after the entire world stood up with one voice and said, you are small and pathetic. I think that was Jake, a Jake, master class. We're not going to talk about this. It is National Lighthouse Day. And we're not <laughs> going to get into conversations on this topic. It's... You is know, today National Lighthouse Day? I, I actually don't know. I just made that up. Oh, but you it's know, disappointing. If you, you want to see my, you know, lights later on, I'll show them. But um, is this still Dongs After Dark? No, no, no. no. Pete's trying. Um, it just comes back and just shows how shallow. And I think Matt Taylor indicated this so much. Like, we don't need John Angelos to come in and fix the woes of the past to put his name on it. Like, just run a baseball team, run it effectively, win a World Series. And by gosh, your name will go down forever on that basis. But you're not going to save as you're not going to be the savior of Baltimore. And I think I've talked about this on the last podcast. And we were, you know, we we're like, eh, is that true? I still feel it. And I still feel it even more to this day. Deion Angelos is trying to make a name for the Angelos family of saying, we're not just ownership for the Baltimore Orioles. We are, in essence, the saviors of Baltimore in terms of what we've donated from charities, what we've done for the local Baltimore area. They want to be named right there with a Donald Schaefer or a William Kurt Schmoke. Um, and they're not going to get their way. It's as simple as that. They're not going to get their way. Um, and they're going to go kicking and screaming all the way down. And inst- they they could. They could absolutely. John Angelos could be beloved. Yep. By strictly not being his father. Correct. He could be beloved. There was he, a playbook written of like, do exactly opposite of what your dad did. Well, I mean, think think about the story for just a second. Yeah. This could have been the story. Yeah. The story could have been 
John Angelos allows Mike Elias to do his job right. to bring a winning ball club back to Baltimore, making the organizational investments in the wall and the yep. camps in the in the Dominican and and Venezuela and yep. rebuilding the minor league system and signing a brand new lease to keep ball, uh, the Orioles in Baltimore yep. a an open wound for this city sure. since 1984 and bringing a World Series back. To, that story could have been incredible. Yep. But instead of talking about our amazing team, I'm whining on a podcast about the fact that John Angelos is small. Yeah. So, again, it comes back and you look at the situation and you just shake your head and it makes you wonder. And I know Dan Zambrowski got into this a little bit. It is so amazing to me all the good things that are happening. And again, you look at Kevin Brown's statement. And again, it certainly was PR created to a certain regard by the Orioles organization. But I do think there's some wholesome moments in there. Specifically, like I do think Kevin Brown does really like what's going on on the field um, with the Orioles organization. And how can you not? I mean, you watch them go play, and it's a great standpoint. However, and this is the however, there's that lingering aspect in the back of your head of, what is ownership going to do next? When is ownership going to commit to signing a lease? And then again, like Dan Zembrowski was mentioning, at what point does the Orioles organization say, we're going to put up money to sign young talent like the Dodgers have, like the Braves have, like the Diamondbacks have, you know, any single team. Um, and it just seems like it's a situation where, you know, John Angelos is going to say, I'm going to ride this for as long as I can until I, in essence, get a kickback. And that kickback, I also want my name all over it um, in regards to property and or rights and everything like that so that I can place myself on a pedestal and say, look how amazing I am. I didn't want to miss the opportunity to kick him, uh, but... I also don't want to beat a dead horse. Let, yeah. Let's round first base. Sure. Let's head to second base. Let's talk about some of the things that are happening with the team. I want to talk for just a second about the the pitching staff. Sure. I want to start with the six-man rotation. Yeah, that just happened this week. Absolutely. So we, we talked about the the possibility. So your, your six arms at this point that are going to start ball games are going to be Grayson Rodriguez, yep. Jack Flaherty, who they just signed, yep. Kyle uh, Bradish, traded, uh, traded, yeah, right, right. Yeah. Uh, Dean Kramer, Kyle Gibson, yep. and Cole Irvin. He's yeah. going to start ball games now. He's he's got to get his inning count back, right? He he pitched five, uh, just perfect innings. I don't think he's going to get his inning count back. I think he's just going to go out there and throw five innings. Like I just don't think it's going to be much more than that. I think he's going to go out there and throw. So he's a long opener, is what you're very telling much me. so. I think he's going to throw eighty pitches, give or take. Um, but I don't think you're going to see him really get to a hundred pitches. Okay, okay. And I'm, I'm actually okay with that. Is the best way to describe it because either you're using him in that fashion or you're saying to someone like you know kramer or bradish or grayson Rodriguez of like hey um we're gonna let you go to 80 pitches and then we're gonna bring urban in and it's kind of like you're kind of you know trying to navigate a little bit differently i'd rather just say okay you know we're just going to go with this six-man rotation that's going to get us through september um and in essence we're going to have slightly expanded bullpen going through september that if we need to, in essence, throw a game away, as it were, because a starter doesn't get deep into the game, we can do so. The thing I wondered about it, though, is that what what does that do to the bullpen? And, you know, at that point, I, I really want Tyler Wells back. 
to yep. be back there. I want, you know, we talked about John Means. I'd love, love to have John Means back. Yep. But you can only do this six-man rotation thing. You can only have starters go intentionally short if you can trust the bullpen. And the Orioles are winning a crap ton of games. Yep. Frankly, I think sometimes they're winning games they shouldn't, right? But I don't know that I trust the bullpen. Cano has been absolutely mortal. Yep. Fuji has been up or down, and you don't know which version you're going to get. You know, Colom is hurt right now, so he's not doing anything for you. There are some real questions out there. And, you know, I don't think, with all due respect, that Nick Vespi and Joey Crable are the answer. No. I, they just have to hold down the fort long enough until we can figure it out. It, it, that's exactly right. So, again, you, you look at it and you say, yes, Batista has a, a few standpoints where he is not a immortal god of gold and he is not the aspect of the greatest thing in the world, but he is still the best relief pitcher in all Major League Baseball. So, yes, he is going to blow saves on occasion. Yes, it's going to get a little wild. It's going to get a little wacky. But I still think it comes back to, I think we are all so spoiled with that 2016 season by Zach Britton that we're just like, you either have to have perfection or you're not a good reliever. And I look at Felix Batista and I'm like, there isn't anybody else on this club or probably Major League Baseball that I would trust more to be the closer. Now, I mean, unless you're going to like starting pitchers, like if you're going to like saying like you can pick any starting pitcher to be a closer, well, that's a whole different matter. But with relief pitchers, I don't think I'm choosing anybody else besides Felix Batista. Now, I agree with you about the other folks like Fuji has been up and down with control standpoints. Cano has been hittable, um, you know, since May. Um, and then you've got, you know, four individuals with Ballman, Perez and Vespi. Um, and I'll get to my fourth one in just a second. Um, but you've got a folks that are kind of interchangeable. And I think that's going to be the question, which is who becomes those interchangeable pieces and who do they take into the postseason? Do they take a John means into the postseason? Do they take a Tyler Wells into the postseason? Do they take a, um, you know, do they take a DL hall into the postseason? The other standpoint is you're not going to need six starters, um, in the postseason. You're going to need four starters in the postseason. So you're going to look at that situation of your six starters and say, who are two that I want to push into the bullpen on that basis? So I think there's, you know, we, we talk about depth within the bullpen. I actually think, you know, when you look at the bullpen as it relates to the postseason, you know, it's going to live or die on how Felix Batista does and how Yenier Cano does and how Fujinami does. But if I look past those three, I'm not super concerned because I think, it's, it is what it is. I think at the end of the day, you're either going to win a division series or a championship series or world series based off of the standpoint of how well does Cano and Batista do. And again, we saw that in 2012, Jim Johnson was not who we were expecting him to be. He was a pretender. He was a pretender. Um, and, you know, that cost us games, um, you know, two games actually in ALDS 2012 I feel much better about Felix Batista compared to Jim Johnson. Um, it, it is what it is. Um, so like I said, I it's it's certainly something to watch. The closer and closer we get to September, though, the more and more I'm like, we are in really good shape from a bullpen standpoint. The other thing that I will say from a – let me just throw on my orange-colored glasses sure. for a moment, uh, now playing the role of Jim Hunter. Uh, 
I think that part of the reason that the bullpen has been so exposed, that has been so concerning, you know, while the Orioles continue to win series after series, um, is that the the offense has gone a bit quiet, mm-hmm. right? And so we are now in a situation. I think they are. I think um, Alex has posted this. I think they're twenty fifth currently in WOBA after the All Star break uh, from an offensive standpoint. So you're absolutely right. Like since the All Star break, for almost a month now, the Orioles' offense has been pretty poor, and the Orioles have been getting it done, and they have. Sure, they've been getting it done on the backs of this. Pitching rotation and bullpen that we all find, sus- you know, right, rightfully so suspect. Sure. It's a pretty good situation to be in. And, and I will say that, you know, I, I, I think that we as fans uh, struggle to be objective about, yes, that was unpleasant to watch tonight. Yep. But tomorrow is a new day and everything's still fine. Yeah, um, I, I come back to... Myself included. Yeah, I, I come back. There was an earlier portion of the season where the pitching was dominant. We were pitching to, you know, mid-threes or ERAs. The hitting was scoring six to seven runs, and it was during that long winning streak. And I'm like, this team is absolutely on fire in all cylinders. Like, they're doing great fielding. They're doing great pitching. Like, there's nothing out. And right now, I'd say, you know, the starting pitching has been above average. I wouldn't say it's great, but I would say it's above average. Um, the bullpen, as much as people hate on the bullpen... They've been doing a really nice job in terms of, you know, keeping them in the games. Yes, they've blown a few games. It's okay. It's going to happen in baseball. The hitting is what I look at and say there seems to be a little bit of a lack of consistency. But again, let's talk about that. You know, like you said, they're winning um, and they've been maintaining their standpoint in terms of winning. And in reality, you know, things go through ebbs and flows. If the offense is down right now through an ebb, we've seen them hop before in the past. Um, you know, within 30 games, you would expect that to kind of come back up again. And within 30 games or so, you're approaching the playoffs. So honestly, I'd rather be hot in mid-September going into October rather than saying we're hot right now in the middle of August and we're in essence going to have some suffering going into end of September and into October. Yeah. Right. Momentum. Right. Momentum. I mean, you look at the Phillies last year, did the same thing. Road momentum in the second half. Uh, took it to the NLCS. Did not uh, won the NLCS. We actually went to the went to the World Series. Um, just I, I think momentum is such a big deal. So I look at it and I say, yeah, the Orioles are not playing their best baseball, but they're playing good enough to win, and that's what good teams do. Yep, absolutely. All right, let's round second. Let's head to third. At third base, we we have got to talk about the day Cedric Mullins had the other day. Yeah, holy crap, that was incredible. It was incredible. And of course, we're talking about him making the, you know, at the time we thought lead saving catch. Yep. Of course, uh, Bauman gave up a home run right after that, but came back in the next inning, hit a foul ball a zillion feet. Yep. And then hit, I think, two pitches later, uh, a home run to put the Orioles ahead for good. Man, it is good to have an effective Cedric Mullins back. Can I, um, can I tap into your Bachelor of Arts degree really quickly? Oh, please, please do. Can we? I'm not. I'm not doing anything else with that. I can guarantee you. Can we wane philosophically really quickly for a second? Yes. All right. So, um, you know, obviously, you mentioned the situation. Cedric Mullins makes a game-saving home run and basically preserves the lead at three to two. Um, I, my question to you is, like, obviously, Ballman gives up the home run in the next at bat, which is extremely disappointing. Um, I guess my question. To you is, 
do you find that it's it's better that that happened and Mullins was able to come up in the tenth and in essence hit that two run home run in terms of the stories telling, or would you rather just in like I wanted Mullins to basically have the game winning catch and then just have the game ended? Like, what do you think is a better story? No, the better story is clearly him clubbing the home run and okay. saving us from ourselves. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So you, you're 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 saying basically like I actually prefer the way it kind of worked out, which is hey, I kind of you know. I enjoy the storytelling more on that aspect rather than saying you save the home run and then the game ended the next at bat. It not only do I appreciate it from a storytelling standpoint, what I also like about it is that it's another instance of the Orioles overcoming adversity sure. and they are going to get punched in the mouth in the playoffs. Yep. They're going to play teams that do not care about the story. We saw that with the Astros series yeah. multiple times. I mean, we talk about Batista giving up that grand slam First time in Major League Baseball this season where a team has come back uh, in the ninth inning, down three runs, and basically hitting a grand slam to put them ahead. Yeah. So, and, and, you know, again, from a storytelling standpoint, I think I'm less concerned about it unless the story that we are telling is that this was on the road yeah. to our first World Series in 40 years. Yeah. So I agree. It's a, it's a big moment is the best way to describe it. Um, and it's just it's 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 a, it's a fun moment. Um, and again, we just talked about the offense being a little lackluster. I still feel like you saw what happened with Cedric Mullins being in the game um, and being in the offense. Like he is a spark plug is the most describe it. He's not the best offensive performance, but he's a spark plug to basically reinvigorate the lineup on that basis. Absolutely. All right. As we head into home, I want to ask the important questions. Sure. Scott. This, this podcast above all is about asking the important questions. And you asked one the other day, and I, I want to follow up on it because, you know, this matters. Scotty, what what ball cap are you going to buy to replace the one that you've, Ooh, you've lost? This is a great question. Um, I'm actually glad that you brought this up because I was actually looking at it earlier today. Um, so I'm going to show a few pictures to you and get your get your opinion on this one. So, okay, now I'll have to describe them to our listening audience yeah. because, remember, this is a podcast. Yeah. Uh, so, I, again, I have... Um, you know, multiple caps, but the one that I lost was a, a black mesh cap that has a black smiling bird. So like, uh. it was basically like a, a muted standpoint. Um, so the subtle cap, a subtle cap. Yeah. Um, I'm not thinking subtle for this next one. This shocks me. I don't know. Uh, so the ones I've been looking at more recently, uh, have been from Berdeen's Chicago. Um, they have been, uh, you know, new era slash 5950 ones. Uh, the first one is the classic uh, white background, smiling bird, um, orange bill, um, black hat behind it um, with the 1983 World Series uh, logo on the side. Uh, it looks something similar to this. I'll show you a picture. Okay. And we yeah, can yeah. post it on a link. Um, that one's interesting to me. Um, I was just like, that's kind of cool. Um, one that kind of came out a lot in terms of what people are really feeling was the solid black is the best way to describe it. So they have one that is a 1966 logo. So it does not have the O's cap, but it's basically the, the traditional smiling bird. And then it has the 1966 World Series patch, and it looks something like that. Um, I thought that was pretty cool um, in terms of being another option as well. There was one more that I was looking at from that, that collection. Um, but those are the two that I was kind of really looking at. There, there was one more, and I was talking to someone on Twitter about this, and I, I've got mixed reservations about this. Um, but it is the 1989 Ornithological Bird. Again, very much from our childhood, very much on that aspect. But 
I get concerned on the ornithological bird. Like, yes, it's part of my childhood, but childhood Orioles were not great on that basis. So a part of me looks at that and says, maybe one day, but there's a lot of trauma there is the best way to describe it. I'm smiling bird for life. So I, I have a, I have a different problem. Sure. Um, I don't remember. You, you have an addiction. <laughs> I don't remember the last uh, presidential administration at this point where I had a haircut. Oh. And so the last uh, new Orioles cap that I bought um, is, is subtle. It's mm-hmm. gray. It's gray with a gray bird. Yep. Uh, smiling bird logo. It's great. It must does, be like a dad thing, like to be like, I don't want to fully put it out there, but I'm it gonna... does not fit on my head with all this hair that I, that I'm wearing right now. Oh yeah. So I'm when look- you're looking for a cap and it just doesn't fit, Jake English is dongs after dark. It doesn't fit over my <laughs> ego. So I, I'm I'm looking at a couple of caps. The first one that I want and cannot find, yeah, is last year's Orioles or last year's All Star cap. Mm. It's like all black. Gold smiling bird. Yep. Uh, star on the side, kind of trucker hat back. I, I found them like an off, sure. you know, like eBay and, and places like that. Right. But I feel kind of weird about that. But I really liked that and should have bought it. The other one uh, that I am I am thinking about is the Prime 1993 Orioles All Star Game mm-hmm. cap. And there are a lot of different variations of this one. There's green, but I as a kid. Had a black cap, orange bill, star all star logo uh, on the front, and if I could find another one of those, I would I would buy it yesterday. Yep. And the last one uh, that I'm considering is uh, you know and um, I'm involved somewhat in Henry's uh, baseball team, and his uh, baseball team wears uh, Columbia blue, and so I've found Orioles caps that are white. And Columbia blue with a blue bird on it. You mean Carolina I, blue, right? No, no, no. It's a different blue. It's a different is blue. Is it? It is. Okay. It's darker than it, That's not important. We're okay. talking about sports aesthetics here. Don't bring up sports gotcha. aesthetics. Anyway, I am living vicariously through your selection yeah. because I think it's unlikely uh, that I'll find that all-star cap in order to, either of the all-star caps in order to be able to purchase that. But I need, I need you to pick something inspiring, Scott, because right. the Orioles are worth buying gear for. And like I said, it's one of those matters where, again, I don't like to replace hats too often because I like to wear them in. Um, but again, you have to have a hat for every occasion um, is the best way to describe it. My my Orioles cap that fits uh, has lost the elasticity in yeah. the one size fits most. So yeah. I'm like, I'm ready for a new. I'm ready for a new. All right. So let me ask you the important question. Fitted or snapback? Uh, one size fits most. Okay. Not not fitted because yep. you know that's just problematic. But you know the uh, the faux little, fitted little little stretch basically. Yeah. Faux the faux fitted yeah. look. That's my. That's my so, so the ones I'm looking at are fitted, which I think I've got to be really careful on. Yeah, because again, shrinkage is you know always an issue for dongs after dark. So well, you know if and if you take too many steroids, uh, you know you won't you won't be able to fit in your hat anymore. Well, let's, if I appear in the Mitchell report in the future, then you'll know uh, that I was doing something wrong. Um, all right. Well, with that conversation, um, if you know where to find last year's 2022 All-Star Game cap, uh, please let us know at Birds IVBL. Also, if you have suggestions for a cap that we should be looking at, um, let us know at Birds IVBL. If you provide us camouflage caps, you will be muted slash banned on our Twitter on that basis. It's illegal to wear camouflage in Aruba. Oh, there you go. Good for Aruba. Um, and with that, 
let's figure out who was the boss this weekend in Fantasy Boss. Close. It's getting close. Scott, the way this season has gone, I guarantee that their listeners have no idea what that music means. But that is definitely not true. I did pull off a victory this week to bring the the score to eight to three. I have to say, who would have ever thought you never bet the push? You never bet the push. And lo and behold, Jake English bets the push. Uh the, the line was set at six innings pitch for Jack Flaherty in his Orioles debut. I took the over. Uh, and, you know, if it would have gone under, I would have, you know, neither one of us would have won. Jake English hits it directly on the nose and wins it this week. I bet zero in roulette. Yeah. And one. So that means that uh, I have a, a chance, a I chance. guess. Yeah. One of the things that we should point out is that uh, fate nuked one of our wild cards. Yeah. This week. We had a wild card out there indicating if, you know, Felix Batista or Yenner Urkno did not get a save. Um, who would it be? Uh, yeah, uh, Joey Crable and uh, Cino Perez were one of our two picks. Uh, Fujinami had a a, a save, um, so that category for the wild card in essence goes off the board, as it were, because we were both wrong. Um, so with that, um, we are going to go ahead and uh, select a new category. So Jake, we're going to go classic. We're going to go ahead and do dongs, 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 dongs. Well, if we're going to select dongs, I'm going to go with the hot hand. Sure. I'm going to go with Ryan Mountcastle. Okay. Um, And I think I am going to go with... Hmm. It's hard because nobody's hitting. (laughs) Yeah, I am going to go with Mr. Gunnar Henderson because, again, he's been struggling as of late. I'm hoping that he can kind of turn it around. Uh, Jake... Uh, would you like to go double or nothing in this category? No. No, I do not. Would you like to have a wild card in this spot? I think I could be wild card enticed. Okay. I need you to give me a name of an individual who is going to hit a home run via stat cast next for more than 450 plus feet. 450 feet. All right, so um, sorry, I'm just working it out here. I, I think the obvious answer is Mountcastle because he mm-hmm. just did it. Um, I'm going to say Austin Hayes. Okay. I am going to go double down. I'm going to go Gunner Gunner. <laughs> nice. Yeah, so we're going to go Gunner Gunner. Uh, for my end, you're going to go with Mountcastle for the most amount of dongs, but we'll see who has the next 450 plus home run. Uh, you're going with Hayes. I'm going with Gunner. Um, and we will see who owns it. So we'll see, Jake, if you can get two points this week and make it even closer um, as we you know, slowly enter into September. Um, with that, let's figure out who was good, who was bad, and who was ugly this week in Birdland. Birdland. <laughs> 
That's right. It's time for the good, the bad, and the ugly. Scotty, I'm going to go first. And my good this week, no, really, I'm not kidding, is CNL Perez. What? CNL Perez appeared in six games over the last, oh, let's say 14 days since we haven't been uh, been yeah. on the air, and has actually been quite effective. Uh, Perez, at one point, at one point, <laughs> was on the wrong end of the walk and K per nine. 10.8 K per nine in the last two weeks. 1.8 walks per nine with 75% ground ball rate and left on, ba- uh, left on base percentage at zero R- uh, ERA. But more importantly, in my eyes, a 1.47 FIP and a 2.13 XFIP. This bullpen needed a shot in the arm. We were hoping that CNL Perez could get anywhere near what he did last year. And at least for the last two weeks, Scotty, he's been good. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that. Um, we mentioned it earlier. I think we've got to call it out. Um, Ryan Mountcastle has to be a good. I mean, Incredible. he has come back from the, the whole vertigo situation and has been spraying the ball, has been de- having decent plate appearances, plate discipline. Yes, he's still striking at it at 25% K rate, but a 14.5% walk rate um, in the past two weeks He's got a 435 average, a 509 on base percentage, a 476 Woba, good for a 212 weighted runs created plus. Um, over the past two weeks, he's created a 0.8 F war for himself. Ryan Mountcastle, I mean, we left him for dead, is yeah. the best way to describe it. Like most of Orioles fans, including us, said, well, he'll come back, but he'll probably be a platoon. And he has inserted himself into the lineup and saying, I'm not going to be a platoon. I want to play every single day going forward. So you've seen lineups of O'Hearn and Mountcastle out there on that basis. So Ryan Mountcastle, kudos to you. You've been good lately. Hope you can keep it up. Um, but yeah, he gets my good for the week. Scott, my good this week is going to go to James McCann. Yeah, that's right. I said it. Another good. It's good. And it's James McCann. Over the last two weeks, he's had 21 plate appearances. So he's been a platoon player. But with that, he has been making the most of it. A 261 weighted runs created plus a 547 Woba. His bat hip is 692. At a time when the Orioles offense is struggling, James McCann is doing what the Orioles hoped that he would do when they got him, which is to not only take the innings off of Rutschman, he's catching and allowing Rutschman to DH quite yep. a bit over the last couple of weeks, but also providing value at the bottom of the order. Uh, it's been great. So he is he is my second good for the week. Yeah, so my good is going to go to Grayson Rodriguez. That's right, Jake. I'm also going to go with a good as well. Uh, in the past two weeks, three games started, 18 and two-thirds innings pitched, 7.71 Ks per nine, 2.41 walks per nine. Again, Ks per nine is a little bit down right now, but I think it's so encouraging to watch Grayson Rodriguez go out there right now and actually pitch-pitch, um, you know, mix it up. Getting the velocity back up there at 97 miles, 98 miles per hour. He's even topped out at 101 in a few instances. Um, you know, it just looks like he is the player that we we're expecting to be. And the one thing that I think I've liked the most from his last start was he came out afterwards and he said, you know, it was actually really good for me to go down to Norfolk, reset. Um, and it's a little bit of that humility piece that I really liked hearing of him saying, yep. You know, it, it was going okay up here, but I needed that reset in order to kind of come back up here and come up with a fresh mind. Um, he's not coming up here and saying, well, I just, I'm back here and I'm showing the organization what I can do. It's more the aspect of like, yep, I'm going to be cocky just like any pitcher needs to be, 
but also showing a little humility. So I really like that from Grayson Rodriguez. A 23-year-old. Yep. Grayson Rodriguez. I want to see how this continues to go, but certainly, um, you know, since Grayson's come back, um, he seems to get better and better each start. Um, And he is doing a a great job in terms of mixing up pitches and being a pitcher's pitcher rather than just, you know, throwing his pitches. My good is going to go to Cole Irvin. And, you know, we talked about that, that last start that he had, boy, the organization needed that. I mean, this team needed that performance just like that. And uh, frankly, I was surprised he matched an incredibly masterful performance from that uh, pitcher from uh, the Mariners and gave gave the team the ability to stay in a 0-0 game and win it in the 10th. He's not going to be that perfect every time out, but this is probably closer to what the Orioles expected when they got him. Yep. And and if he can do anything near that for the next two months of baseball, things might be okay. So for, for my good this week, Cole Irvin, please keep it up. Yeah. My last good is going to go to one of the individuals that I did not talk about when we were talking about the bullpen. I think it's an under-the-radar move. Um, and I don't think most folks that watch the Orioles are in essence looking at it. I think folks that you know follow on Twitter and stuff like that are, you know know this individual. But Jacob Webb deserves a good standpoint. Again, in four appearances, he's come in, pitched four innings. He's got a 13.5 case per nine, 2.25 walks per nine. Um, and again, zero ERA, 1.02 FIP, 1.84 XFIP. The BABIP is, you know, non-sustainable. It's at 167 is the best way to describe it. Um, and you know, the left on base is obviously really high, but you look at a, a player like Jacob Webb, who was, you know, non-tendered by the Angels organization coming into the organization with about a 3.8 ERA. Um, and you watched him pitch the first few times and you're like, Am I missing something? Like, why would the Angels designate this guy for assignment? Um, and even Palmer was mentioning that too. He's just like, he's like, yeah, like this guy looks pretty good. Like, I think there's one thing that we can all agree on, and that is that the Angels made all of the right roster decisions yeah. at the uh, at the trade deadline. Yeah, but again, I, I'm not saying Jacob Webb is going to be, um, you know, a seventh, eighth, nine guy. But again, it's it's going to be a, a matter where, you know, if you're looking for someone to come in the sixth inning or get you through an extra, you know, t- two outs to basically get you to the next inning, I think Jacob Webb could serve as a good Brian Baker. Um, and I'm interested to see more from Jacob Webb. Like I said, the stuff is not filthy, but I like what I see and I want to see more of it is the most way to describe it. So Jacob Webb gets my good. The metrics look good. The approach looks really good. Jim Palmer gave him some praise. Um, I think it's something, somebody that we should be watching um, as Orioles fans to say, did Dan, uh, did uh, Michael Elias and Ensign's, you know, pick somebody else up on the basis that, you know, an Orioles organization didn't see the value um, and maybe the Orioles organization did see some value. So Scott, we broke the rules. Yes. We went good, good, good. Yes. Going to break the rules again. Yep. I do have an ugly. Okay. The ugly is my own hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to explain, I have decried the behavior of opposing fans at Oriole Park at Camden Yards for as long as we've had this podcast. It has made me ill to have to sit and lose to the likes of Yankees and Red Sox fans for a generation and have them just rub our noses in it. 
However, there is a not small part of me that has really, really enjoyed seeing the Orioles fans and hearing the Orioles fans on the road. Little things like hearing the O during the anthem or the Let's Go O's chants in the middle of a rally. And God love that guy who screamed out, Let's Go Tony Taters, loud enough to get picked up on the broadcast. I I acknowledge the hypocrisy. And I and I I am not really through like dealing with my emotions about that, but God, it has been fun to watch the Orioles be really good and for Orioles fans to be a presence elsewhere in the league. It's been cool. So uh though I love that, my ugly for this week is my own hypocrisy in uh, in the double standard. Be better, Jake. Be better. Well, with that, um, let's go ahead and blow the save and uh, close this thing out. Scotty, I had a really great week last week. I went off to Aruba. It was a celebration for my wife and some of our college friends for their 40th birthday. And one of the highlights for me was not the beach or great food or the camaraderie and the togetherness. Those things were fine. But for me, it was the delight in finding a Baltimore Orioles baseball game on the television in Aruba at at the pool bar. That's cool. And so I sat down and watched an entire Orioles game dressed in obnoxiously orange Orioles gear so that everyone knew that I was associated with the team And it was really fun because so far away from home, some guy stopped over and he said, oh, are you a nose fan? I was like, look look at me, sir. Look at me. Uh, And he said, where are you from? I said, I'm from Bel Air. He said, I'm from Habit of Grace. So the rest of the 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 week, I was like, hey, Habit of Grace, how you doing? Uh, There were were people at the bar dressed in Red Sox gears, clearly rooting for the Orioles. So he was confused. Um, But eventually, like the whole bar got behind the Orioles because I was – being obnoxious it was really cool to be so far from home to find a connection uh with the team and to have it be something that i could be proud of it was super fun so i also was on vacation because we missed our podcast last week uh, and i entered into enemy territory i was down in clearwater which again stones throw away from tampa uh, and also wore orioles gear out Uh, and i had numerous Tampa fans stop me and just engage in conversation and just, you know, have a conversation about, Hey, the Orioles are playing really great. You know, it's going to be a really great end of the season. I was like, absolutely. Like, it's going to be great to see whoever one of us wins. It's like, honestly, as long as the Red Sox and the Yankees are in the basement, it's going to be great. And they're like, absolutely. And they're like, best of luck to you this season. Best of luck to you. Um, But again, also ran into Red Sox and Yankees fans who came up to me and were just like, man, the Orioles are so fun to watch. And they're like, I wish our organization had young talent like that. They're like, it is so nice to watch players run out of the box, have the passion, and basically do it. And I'm like, yeah, it is pretty nice. Enjoy the seller. <laughs> and they were just like, yeah, it's going to be rough. But maybe next year will be better. And I'm like, get used to it. I, to describe it. I remember yes. maybe next year. So, um, yeah, I mean, like I said, um, it is good to wear uh, your colors, as it were, 
um, to outside of the area locations, um, be recognized for the fandom that you are. Um, and it's, it's very interesting to see, you know, other fan bases getting behind the Orioles, not Mariners fans. That's a whole nother topic. Um, but most fan bases in our sense are looking at the Orioles and they can see the young talent and how they're playing and like, I hope they go pretty far this season is, is what I think the general sentiment is, is the best way to describe it. So fun times. Newsflash, the Orioles are fun. Yeah. And that, that is our show. Remember, you can find this in our entire catalog of indispensable episodes at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. Birds Eye View is available for download wherever it is you get your podcast. Please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, and many others. Please remember to rate and review the show. Please rate, review. We need it. Uh, we appreciate the feedback and encourages other people to listen for the first time. Come and get social with us. You can email us at contact at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. You can find us all over on social media. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. We're on Snapchat. We're on the ticks and the talks. No, seriously, we're on TikTok. And the best way to get a hold of us is on the X, where we re-X at Bird's Eye View, B-A-L. You can find us also on Mastodon and Threads if that whole X thing doesn't work out. But with that, all more and beyond, I'll bid you all a fond adieu-adieu. Good night, Baltimore, and let's go O's. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.